All right, welcome guys to another episode of Modern Life. Today we're talking about the video game A Plague Tale Innocence. Um, it's a game that came out a few weeks ago. Tabby and I played it. Stacy watched me play it, so she's going to sit in and give her two cents as well. Um, before we get going, though, just want to thank you for listening and let you know that you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. Our handle is at ModernLifePod, and you can always email us as well. Our email address is ModernLifePod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you if you have any suggestions or feedback for the podcast. So without further ado, let's get going. As always, we're going to start with our modern thoughts segment, where we uh, talk about whatever the hell's on our mind. I'm going to start. What's been on my mind recently is um, this race car driver named Nicky Lauder, who died like a week ago at this point. If you don't know who Nicky is, he was a huge race car driver in, I want to say it was the late, yeah, late 70s, early 80s. One for of the, Formula One. For Formula One, which is huge everywhere except for here. <laughs> um, but he was one of the best race car drivers of all time. Um, really notorious for um, just kind of always speaking his mind. Just had just was a really solid guy. Uh, also famous for kind of telling off uh, Lorenzo Ferrari when he first got signed by the Formula One Ferrari team. But... Um, I guess what he was most famous for is getting into this uh, big F1 crash where basically half his body burned up and he was supposed to die in the hospital that day, which didn't happen. He actually survived and came back to race. It was something like eight weeks later and got fourth place in the race, which is just insanity. Um, Ended up living to 70 years old and ended up dying... I want to say, I, I don't really know why he died. I know he had just had some lung surgery, which I'm pretty sure was still related to that accident he had. I mean, like, his lungs pretty much burned up. Um, but yeah, he made it to 70. And if you want to know a little more about him, a great way to do that is there's a movie called Rush with, um, was it Chris Hemsworth and... Daniel uh, Brühl. I always forget his name. Daniel Brühl. Um, yeah, it's a great movie about him and some other race car drivers, like, Really solid Hollywood, um, fictionalized, well, not fictionalized, well... Yeah, good, some of it. Yeah, great Hollywood. I mean, it, it's fairly accurate. Obviously, it's a movie, so they take liberties, but it's a really good movie. If And from what I've read, Nicky Lauda is the only person in the race car industry they've made a Hollywood movie about that's not a documentary, so... Not, or fictionalized, He's right? pretty much an yeah. institution. <laughs> yeah, so Tabby and I grew up in Germany as... You know, some of you guys know. Um, and so Nicky Lauder was, he would always announce the F1 races. And you just kind of, yeah, he's just an institution over there. Like Germany, Austria, that kind of region of Europe. Um, so, yeah, he's a great guy to know about if you, you know, want to learn about something. Right but, um, Tabby, what's on your mind? Um, so I've been reading about all the people dying on Mount Everest, or it's, as it's more accurately called, Goddess Mother of the World in Tibetan. And this is due to Nepal not limiting its permits, which cost $11,000. Just just for the fee for the permit, that doesn't include paying the Sherpas and the equipment and the it doesn't camera include crews. shipping and handling. Yeah. <laughs> so how much... Okay, so if I'm... 
what's the like whole cost to climb Mount Everest? If you're getting like a Sherpa and flight ticket and the permit, do we Man. know? Is it like fifty thousand dollars or something? Must, I, 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 must Maybe be less. more than that. I don't know. Like, how much do the Sherpas cost? Well, the whole controversy around that is that they're not getting paid what they're supposed to or not getting the proper equipment or treatment by people climbing uh, Mount Everest. And there's a picture of this online where it's just so crowded up this pass in the mountain because you only have certain ways to get up there, certain ropes you want to use, and also only during certain uh, weather conditions are you able to climb Mount Everest. And according to somebody who had done it before, he said when he came back, there were so many inexperienced climbers that it took him five extra hours, which can be really exhausting climbing up a mountain that long. Because all you need to get a permit is a doctor's note saying you're fit. And really, it takes a lot of training. Oh, really? Yeah, to be able to (laughs) climb not even Mount Everest, but um, just any mountain. And another reason why so many people are going up the same pass is because China has closed its access or or restricted it greatly because they want to do a lot of cleanup of all the dead bodies that are up there and all the trash and oxygen tanks and all the stuff that's littering this sacred mountain my god china's doing the right thing with something (laughs) shocking (laughs) we just lost all our chinese listeners they're also installing cameras all over mount Everest. (laughs) surveillance state um Um, but yeah that's fun fact there's a lot of poop on mount everest because nature calls you're climbing a mountain and it doesn't decompose because it's really cold up there nobody yeah yeah it's kind of sad. <laughs> but yeah, 11 people have died so far this climbing season. And that's due to their bodies not being acclimated to the loss of oxygen and not bringing enough oxygen tanks. And Do we feel bad for these people? N- no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what do you think, Stacey? Uh, no. I don't, I don't no say empathy. I feel bad for anyone <laughs> if they are not. But I mean, if it was, because most likely the ones that are dying are probably the in- inexperienced ones that shouldn't be doing it in the first place right um yeah i just this is not some tragic accident i think when that avalanche happened a few years ago Mm. and most of the people killed were sherpas that to me is a tragic accident but and according to them what i was reading is people who either go up there most of them are like egomaniacs or is it there's something about wanting to climb mount adverse that's very you know just the thought of doing that is a little i did it crazy so hmm. no empathy it's like when people go skydiving and it doesn't work out it just kind of comes with the territory no really i feel differently about really? that but it's just i mean that's part of the thing is that it's dangerous so then when you die it's like, i feel well, like maybe I feel like you don't really like you're not like killing the environment or like that's true. you know what i'm saying like yeah. you're not affecting like a, you're, you're literally just jumping you're deciding mm. to pay someone to help okay. you jump out of a plane okay. like i don't feel like that's as like selfish as you know, climbing Mount Everest and leaving oh, no, like, saying trash. It's and I'm just like, maybe it's more like the people who would pet the lion, you know, who like it's just when people do dangerous <laughs> stuff and then yeah. they die and everyone's like, Oh my God, what a tragedy. And it's like, well, no, I mean, <laughs> they died doing what they love and right. they knew it was dangerous. I mean, it's not a tragedy. That is one of the family members. One of the people who died, that is what they said. Like, yeah. Oh, they died doing what they loved and we couldn't, you know, nobody could stop them from like doing one of this. the most dangerous extreme sports right now is these people in like the squirrel suits. Right. Oh my God. They jump off and that. they're like, and they're yeah. like this close 
to the, the mountain cliff, as yeah. to the cliff as they're like gliding along. And there's like so many deaths every year with that compared to the number of people that are doing it, which is a small number, right? Um, but yeah, a lot of, and I was watching this whole video and it's this whole community. It's a pretty small, tight community of these people that do these wings, like wing suits, squirrel suits, squirrel suits, whatever you want to call them. Um, and so everyone kind of knows each other in that community. And that means that everybody knows at least like two people that have died doing it, hmm. but it doesn't just, it's just like a way of life for them. Hmm. So, and a lot of them are like, yeah, I'd, I'd rather die doing that than like get old mm. and decrepit. So, I don't know. Right on. Yeah. Stacy, what you got? Mm. Oh, my modern thought is um, I just read an article this morning about how um, all these victims from these mass shootings that we've had are suffering, even the, like the survivors are suffering from lead poisoning um, because of bullet shards that they have left in their body. And um, thoughts and prayers. Yeah, <laughs> funny. Nobody's laughing. Um, <laughs> a little dark. Uh, but no, but I mean, like, so they survived this mass shooting, and then now they're like dealing with all these health issues because the NRA is against us changing the bullets from lead to a different thing. And I guess there's been a fight from um, all these conservationists for years trying to get lead out of bullets because it po- poisons like. The environment. I they, had like, no idea about that. Yeah, it's really fascinating. And um, so now it's coming to light more because of all these victims. So there's like more been testing and stuff like that on lead poisoning of like these victims because of the water thing and um, the water being contaminated in Flynn. And now all these conservationists are using this to like expose the fact that like there is no reason for these bullets to be made of lead. And it's like so bad for the environment because all of these animals are poisoned by the lead by eating like the leftovers of like a a bullet like in like an animal mm. killed by this bullet and then they're poisoned themselves and then it like kills them off so wait how do the survivors of the mass shootings get the lead poisoning though is it oh there's like bullet like, oh so like it's actually it's actually common or? no it's like common practice for when you get shot mm-hmm. if it's not a dangerous bullet like if you can just leave it in the doctors will sew up the lead in, like the bullets in you thinking what? that yeah no it's like know. a oh common common oh, practice. so this is like if you were shot and survived yeah if you got shot it. and survived so they would just like sew it up they didn't realize that the because there was no real testing for it, they didn't realize that it was like a poison in your system because it wasn't something that you would, like if you went to a doctor 10 years later, like it's not something that they test for unless like there's a purpose for it because there's a lot of, those symptoms are very similar to like Well, doctors know symptoms. lead is bad for bad Yeah, for but you, they Do don't. Do they just not know the bullets have Well, the lead? symptoms are very cold and flu-like. They're very mm. like, I just don't feel good. And um, those symptoms, you'd have to know to like, go back and test and like they're starting to realize now but there was not really any like data on it before so if you get a bullet sewn up into you can they take it out later or is it well some of them are getting some of them taken out but the problem is some of them are like too dangerous to take out they're in like the hip well no they're like in the hip or they're like in the bone and like you'd really have to like some of them are like shards like this one lady from one of the shootings the bullet like exploded you know the one the the one in the um church like okay. a couple years ago where like 23 people died. Um, hers like hit something and it shattered. So she has like little pieces like all, yeah, like shrapnel mm-hmm. all in her leg. And yeah, she's, she's one of the ones that is like, has to go on this like intensive where she has to take like pounds of medicine every day to keep her mm-hmm. lead levels down. Oh, fun. Yeah. <sighs> Jesus. Okay. Sorry. 
Well, she did the death thing. I was like, I gotta find something more interesting. <laughs> Getting dark it's in just, the modern life podcast. It's just interesting to me that the NRA fights so hard to keep something as simple as lead in their bullets when all so you have to do is like fucking change it to like a different metal. Like, why is it so? Why is it such a big deal? Like, it. it kills and poisons things and these people like and it, that's you know. if you survive yeah i mean like this violence. isn't even like this isn't even like saying you can't have a bullet this is just saying can you use a different material to oh, make man. the bullet hmm. but they still are fighting it just because they don't but like does the nra control what these bullet companies like use for their i mean wouldn't the companies that make the bullets okay they, so like, obama the... made it so that obama at the end of his um, thing made it so that they couldn't use lead in their bullets anymore okay. and then as soon as trump went in he basically said he's like no forget that ban it's we're taking it off because you know trump loves the nra like ha- there's like, gotta be some sort of reason though like is there like some sort of metal company or but like- the so I don't know about that, but the NRA has an insane amount of influence. Oh, no, I know that. And is always the prime example in um, civic studies used for lobbying groups that are just right. in- insane. I know they're super effective. So I don't know what influence they have on the companies and why, but... I just, oh, I'm sure they have I some do, kind of financial If I know anything about them. the NRA, I, it, it, it's just never a reason of like, well, Trump just says screw it, so now there's like there's there's always some sort of motivation. It's like they don't want the laws to change... Or they don't want, there's obviously some sort of company they have a tie-in with, like, that they want to keep supporting. Like, I, who knows? Mm-hmm. I'd just be curious to find mm-hmm. out more about that. Um, right. Shall we? Yeah, let's move on. All right, let's move on to the main topic. So, we are talking about A Plague Tale Innocence, which is a game that came out a few weeks ago. Um, I think it was released on PC first, and then it came out on... PS4 and Xbox, if I'm not mistaken. It's a game that takes place, what is it, the is it 14th century? Mm-hmm. Right, 14th century mm-hmm. France. It's about a young girl and a boy whose um, parents have been killed, or they think they've been killed. There's going to be spoilers. So, <laughs> the dad dies. <laughs> um, the mom, they think, died. They find out later she's alive, and it's just about their journey and there's a plague going on, and the Inquisition. So it's really fun, uplifting times in France. <laughs> um, it's made by uh, Focus Home Interactive and um, Asobo, and also includes one of the writers of The First Life is Strange. So it's hugely narrative-driven, which is something, in all the reviews I've read of this game too, is something people have been really longing for, mm-hmm. more narrative-based games that are... right. This immersive, almost like to a fault. Like where I feel like the first quarter of the game, you really don't even do all that. There's not that much to do, right? You haven't really learned that many mechanics in the game. It's just all you're just kind of walking as the story goes along. Yeah, and I never felt like that. Oh, really? I, I always felt really, really in the game and what was happening in the relationships I was okay. building. Okay. Um, I mean, so the first thing, and I know you feel this way too, so when you first start up the game, the uh, just the camera movement of your character, so you start as playing, what's her name, Elisa? Alicia? Amicia. Amicia. What a weird name. Um, you start as Amicia and you're hanging out with your dad and it's just the very first thing I noticed was just... You're moving the camera around to look around and it's just so laggy both in the beginning and the end. And then, Tab, you told me just to turn the sensitivity down, which helped tremendously. Um, 
But yeah, it's weird, as you pointed out yesterday when we first tried to record this podcast, <laughs> and I forgot to plug a cable in, and it That's didn't okay. get recorded. <laughs> Um, as you pointed out, it's really weird that obviously there's so much testing that goes on with these games um, that they ended up deciding, well, this is the right camera sensitivity. This feels great. Let's ship it with this setting. Because, um, it, yeah, it's it was it a disaster. It felt very old. It, just, it felt like a disaster if you didn't adjust it. Um, uh, but overall, I mean, I think we both really, really liked the game. Obviously, it has its faults, mm-hmm. which yeah. we're going to discuss kind of, all of that. But I kind of unapologetically love it, even though I realize yeah. a lot of things are wrong with it. And the use of environments and mood right in the beginning comes across very clearly. And the game establishes itself as really, as really knowing how to influence your emotions as a mm-hmm. player. Because as you're looking for your dog that's dying everything starts getting darker and you get those beautiful heavy strings because the music's Mm -hmm. really phenomenal in this and carries a lot of weight with it. And you feel like something's wrong even as you're you're just moving through the woods. I feel like music is the best way to do that in video games. Like, okay, when I'm thinking of like playing that Yarny game, right? It's just without... If you don't have good music or... I guess it doesn't have to be music, just like sound design, I guess you could call it. Um, just to set the mood and the emotion. I mean, without that, it's if you don't have someone good doing that, you're kind of. I don't think it works. You know. Yeah, that's true. Because there is, yeah, there's just random. It won't even be music. It'll just be like a string playing for one second to kind of deliver or add to the emotion of what's going on on the screen. I mean, I guess you can't really call that music. Um, but also, I think in this age, too, we have so many video game soundtracks that are rivaling these big epic scores that are made for movies. Oh, It's yeah. not on a different level anymore. It's just as, you know, they put just as much work right. into that. Well, the money is there now, I Exa- think. Yeah. yeah. And the, yeah, technology. And if you just right. remember, like, the beeping from, like, a Game Boy, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> you jump. <laughs> boink, boink. <laughs> Yeah, definitely not that anymore. Um, so, but what was the studio's name? Asobo or Asobo. So they ended up making their own graphics engine. And you, I know you watched a bunch of the behind-the-scenes videos. Um, do you want? I know you want to talk about that. Like why? Yeah. Why they had to do that? The I don't really know why they can't use another engine, but it was for the rats that they created it because the rats play a huge part in this game. That's the plague that's coming after you. And the mechanics of swarms of rats, I guess, was what prompted this really tiny studio with just a few employees to create this engine. Just like insane. Like, how do you even start building? Because that's the thing that makes the graphics and renders everything. And like, I don't even know. Like, where you start with making an entire video game engine. That's like, I'm going to build a... Like, I'm going to make a movie. I'm going to build a camera from scratch. I feel like that's kind of the same equivalent. Right. Right? (laughs) But with the... So with the rats, what I learned online is that because everything's so dark in the game, sometimes it would just look like textures moving in the Mm -hmm. back. So they made the rats have glowing eyes so that you as a player can recognize that they're rats. And... That worked for me, and it didn't because the light in their eyes doesn't always change with the lighting in the room. 
Right. And when the rats first swarm out at you in the monastery basement, I think we all agreed that it was almost comical. Yeah, it didn't a have this much. shock value because it just looks a little silly. <laughs> I, think, I think it was trying to be scary, but it's just kind of... Oh, look at all these rats. It's like slightly comical at times to me. I don't know. The game was super scary, no, just not at that part. It's scarier <laughs> when you're like having to creep around at night and there's guards. And then you have like one little stick with a little fire at the end to keep away thousands of rats from mm -hmm. you. Like that's scarier to mm -hmm. me than a bunch of little growing, glowing eye creatures like running after me. And you also really have to suspend... What is that called? Spend your disbelief mm -hmm. uh, about the rats because they're what they can and can't do is very inconsistent and doesn't align with real rats at all. Like these rats can't swim or dive, or sometimes they can crawl up walls and sometimes they're stopped by a pig carcass. Right. And it's just whatever is convenient for the game. So I know Stacy, who doesn't play video games at all, you were just sitting on the couch when I started playing this. And before we knew, it was like three hours had gone by and you were still watching me play the video game, which I don't think has ever happened. Well, it's the first video game that I've ever watched you guys play where like there's an emotional tie-in with the characters and there's like you, you like kind you of there's like, like a story. story right? Yeah, like yeah. there's like a storyline. So you can kind of like it was almost like watching like a live action like you know those those movies where you make decisions and like oh, yeah. that was kind of the feeling i got with it so like even though i wasn't playing the game like i could see like every decision that was made like something you learned something else so like i wanted to see what was going to happen it was very entertaining it's like you're watching a movie a little exactly bit, right? yeah and so something that i just realized by you saying it is that every scene even if you're moving through somewhere there's something about the story being revealed. It's either mm -hmm. the guards talking about something sure. or something happening in the environment. It's not like Uncharted where now I have my scene of shooting people. Like, right. sure, things happen. And that game is without any flaws. And <laughs> <laughs> but, but there's not an interruption of now it's combat. There's, it's always story motivated. And you're yeah. either talking to your companions or working with them or having a moment with the little brother... Right, because even in the middle of the action, when the little brother Hugo, Hugo? <laughs> first sees you kill somebody, he like freaks out. And he's like, well, like, what are you doing? And that's like in the middle of... So yeah, it's just... That's also kind of why I liked it. Um, today, video games, like there's like, it's just like a constant shooting. And like there's no weight to death or like weight to the actions that occur. Mm -hmm. And I feel like with this game, like when I was watching, like they put weight on it like someone dies and like you see like remorse on the face or you know not not on the face but you know what I mean like you feel it in the conversation so there's just I liked that aspect of it because I I have a teenage child who's obsessed with video games and I feel like the lack of what's the weight for actions in video games is so not there anymore that like I, I, well, I, I don't know if it was ever there honestly well that's possible I mean, I've, video games. I've played a fair amount of very violent games and so when I started playing this game it was just natural to be like well of course I'm a 15 year old and here's my sling with the rock and I'm gonna kill this guy so then when you first do that and she's like oh my god what did I just do you're like oh okay see what you're doing yeah see I didn't have that <laughs> I almost didn't want to kill him because I didn't have that mindset. See, I did not feel that way. Because I was, like, I was already, <laughs> I was already in, like, in the heads of these kids. 
Hmm. And especially because child actors and child characters can be so annoying for this game to mainly have kids mm-hmm. and then examine and take a lens to how do kids process grief and trauma. I hadn't really seen that before, I think, in a video game. So, right. And also when you think back to other mechanics that try to do the hand-holding, like in Fable 3, and it never works out, and the hands get interrupted. I don't remember if I played Fable 3. I couldn't get through it, no. What what did they do with the hand-holding? It was like the first time you could like hold hands with another character, but then they would get interrupted if you walked upstairs, and it was like that graphic was just becoming big, and it kind of fell flat a little bit because it was a little too ambitious. And then also in Fable 1, like escorting the traders was always so annoying because they die all Mm -hmm. the time. And usually having to take care of somebody else in a game is always a big hassle if they don't help you out. So for this game to make me feel like I have agency, even though I'm constantly holding on to Ugo the whole time, was I was really impressed by that. Now that you're saying that, I'm thinking... Okay, just to draw another comparison to like an Uncharted, which is this ginormous blockbuster game and it's damn near perfect, like Uncharted 4. But even like when I watch you replay like the latest Uncharted game, it's you have these one or two people around you during combat and I feel like they're constantly running into you and it, the AI is just a little bit of a mess. And now that I'm thinking of playing this game, th- there is a certain point where you have. So people you, run into the rats on accident and. Well, that I I just didn't feel I just didn't feel like they were in the way. Yeah, they were they mm-hmm. were like never in the way. They like got cover and like just did their own thing. They like they weren't running into you as you're running around. Like now that I'm thinking about it, like they did a really good job with mm-hmm. that. I think because mm-hmm. that is a problem with pretty much every game where you have other people around you. Even like a, like a Mass Effect too, where it's just. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, it, they just, they just always seem to be in the way, and you're, like, <laughs> trying to get to this certain spot to cover, and they're, like, in the way, and you can't get there, or, like, yeah, it's just always a little bit of a mess. I think they did a really nice job with that here. Even though the, the people you're with, I've, I mean, they don't really help you out. They just kind of stay out of your way, which I think I would prefer. Cause, yeah, and they help you out when it makes sense yeah, for the cause story. because if you have, like, AI friends in a game like Mass Effect, like, yeah, they're shooting at the enemies, but they don't ever really much anyway you know right. I, that's kind of the way i feel so stay out of my way let me do my thing <laughs> so something when stacy was watching and stacy's gonna hate me saying this but i actually have a point to this you were trying to get up on a ledge and we had to push a cart over famous cart pushing <laughs> and stacy says like oh just use the trampoline over here and it was like <laughs> it was like a tanner's frame as one of the backgrounds <laughs> it looked like a trampoline <laughs> And I find that really interesting to see people who don't play video games and how they perceive environments. Mm, interesting. Ha- have you ever seen the video where the elderly play the beginning of The Last of Us? No. It's a really great YouTube video, huh. but most of it is them just figuring out how to use a controller. Sure. But if you remember, you play as the daughter, you get out of bed, and then you're trying to look oh, around yeah. the house yeah, yeah, for yeah, your yeah. father. That's right. And one of the older ladies did not leave the room because she got out of the bed and then one of the textures in the room is a light switch. Mm-hmm. And she kept trying to turn on the lights. She's like, well, it's dark in here. I'm not going to run around without turning the light on. And I'm like, of course, that makes total That's sense. Amazing. Like, it, it's just, I think there's value in, you know, seeing how people who don't play video games oh, for sure. see 
you know, I we would have yeah. never thought of that. Like, yeah, no. I'm just gonna leave the room. I'm not gonna turn like, the light screw on. It. There's a, there's obviously somewhere else I have to go. Right. <laughs> I'm not gonna worry about the light switch. And it's not like that's programmed into the game anyway. Right, but they but don't yeah, no, they don't know that. Yeah. yeah I, gotta, I gotta look that up. <laughs> I have not heard about that. Um, you want to talk about the mother? The mom, yeah. So um, Amicia and Hugo's mom. I not just, a fan. Not a fan. Nobody was a I fan of the mom. I don't think it's a character that really needs to be in the game at all. It's a we. I think it's the poorest written character. Yeah, because she really doesn't care about yeah. her daughter, and there's never a reconciliation with that. And when you as Hugo find her, like you pointed out that... That was my least favorite part of the yeah. game. Yeah. Go ahead. Go oh, ahead. So you're, you end up playing like one mission or a couple missions as Hugo. But the first mission, you're, you're trying to find your mom who's being kept and tortured in this dungeon by the Grand Inquisitor. <laughs> um, and you find your mom and she's not in such good shape. And she's like, oh, Hugo, you need to go. You need to get out of here before they find you. And then he's like, no, like, I'm not leaving you behind. And she's like, okay, well, the keys are in this room, so just be careful, but get the keys and come back. And then once you free your mom, she teaches you, Hugo, how to control these rats because it's like this power you have in your blood, and it's obviously the entire key to winning the game. But it just, none of it made sense because the mom knows that you as this little kid have this power and she needs to teach you how to use it. So why would she ever tell you to like not save her? Like, go, go, get out of here. Just leave me here. It just didn't make any sense yeah, at all. No, and also that she let the kids just run in the beginning. <laughs> like, why aren't you running with your kids? Why are we having a whole conversation here about you staying behind? Like, no mom would ever leave her kids behind. But a, a great observation back to that prison cell where hugo finds her is what you noticed and i didn't is she never asks how either of her kids are doing and it's like hell out there in france <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's just i feel like every the whole story and all the characters are so well written and the mom is it just seems like an afterthought sometimes and i just don't think she needs to be there I think there's other characters that could have mm -hmm. easily filled that void and the little story she has to do with. Um, like yeah. The, like the Lucas Alchemist mm -hmm. guy could have just, I think, pretty much covered that. And then you could have just focused more on these kids, like having to save themselves, but also dealing with complete grief of both their parents dying, something like that. I don't know. I just, I think there's a better way with that. Because there's so much dialogue around Amicia being resentful that she can't she hasn't seen her mom and even when she tries to tell her that her dog has been sucked into an abyss the mom's like I don't get it yeah <laughs> <laughs> but then at the end to have the characters be with the mom without any kind of resolution or trying to mend that bond that felt really flat to me and i wish there had been a different ending right. that focused more on the entire theme throughout the game being that you now have this found family and these kids that all have been through a lot and have all lost somebody and they're now all sticking together. You're mm -hmm. living in this castle. One of the chapters is literally called Our Home when you go around mm -hmm. discovering everything in the castle. So to have all of them either leave or die just, just felt like a betrayal almost to me as a player in the narrative because I, right. wasn't, I wasn't attached to the mother 
but I was attached to these to these people and the game is edgy and dark enough where I don't I don't need all these other people dying to make me feel something you know right and I don't need like the happy ending of them riding in like towards the ocean sunset on a wagon you know on one of those speedboats with a <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um and now, you know, if they do decide to make a sequel to this game, like, I wouldn't... I'm sure there's going to be all sorts of dialogue drama with Amicia and her mom, you know? It's like, I'm not looking forward to that. Like, right. I don't really care about the right. mom. Yeah, I think the what I was most upset... I was upset about Atua dying because you have a lot of dialogue before that about Amicia convincing him to stay with them and to build a family because he's trying to leave and get out. Mm-hmm. So for him... The logical conclusion to me would be for him to stay and all they all work together. Right. So him dying then, I, it didn't feel right to me. It also doesn't make sense to me that the mom is this like great alchemist and she kind of, she knows, like history is repeating itself. They kind of find out at one point, right? So she knows what's going to happen, yet she doesn't really prepare either of her children for it um she just kind of shelters them yeah which i feel like is not how a mother would react if she knew this stuff was coming or that her kids it, it, like you prepare your kids for things as I don't know, a there's mom not, like, Stacey, a lack how of, do you feel about it it's just a lack of like uh, believability mm-hmm. with everything that you guys have said with right? how a mom would react like, that's not, and, like if you know your ch- like you know inevitably your kid has to deal with something and prepare them for it, not just like yeah, shelter it, them. It's like the Terminator. The Terminator. Oh. Think about it. Like it's mm. it's it's like a you know the mom knew that her son was going to have to deal with all this mm-hmm. stuff, and so what did she do from like day one? She like overly prepared her mm. son to the point where like she took like love out, and I feel like that's how if you know your kids, you like want them to be tough enough to survive. Like you 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 you're tough on them. You you. You prepare yeah. them. Right, which is like, I feel like she is trying to be tough, like, especially to Amicia, her But in daughter, the wrong way. Totally <laughs> yeah. in the wrong way. Like, yeah, like, you don't have to completely annihilate your daughter to be, like, tough with her. I just, none of... Yeah, but again, she's not even the one that, that can help, so why would you shelter the little one that actually has the power? Right, and she's it just It doesn't trying make any to, sense. She's just trying to cure the little one, which... Well, like, what would happen if she did cure the little one? Well, then would they? Would the, then there's the like mice... no one to yeah. control the rats. Which so that is doesn't make any sense. No, no, no. The rats right? wouldn't have come out oh, if really? she had cured him before the hand. The rats came out because it started working they in his need blood, the rat and king. He, you know when he's like, "Oh, my head," blah blah yeah. blah, and that's when all the the rats. So come is he attract? He's like the king yeah. of the rats. He attracts right. the rats. Hmm. But then at the end, like we discussed, it didn't make sense to me why killing the Inquisitor would then make all the right. rats disappear and you're cured and everything's fine. And I just need a yeah, little bit more explanation. Wouldn't these rats just follow Hugo around for the rest right. of his life? Like, did they figure out the formula and cure him and the rats right. went away? But then what happened to the hairless rats that weren't controlled by Hugo? Like, what happens to that? Are they now dead because the Inquisitor's dead? And just to clarify, so the Inquisitor, he injects himself with some of the blood that Hugo has so that he can control the rats, but he breeds like his own version of the rats, which are these white hairless rats. And then the final boss battle is you, Hugo, against the Grand Inquisitor, and it's black rats versus white rats. Here's um, the other question I have. How come he, the Grand Inquisitor can't control the black rats anymore? Like He never, he he never, never could? could. No. So he had but to have got, his own special breed? He's got the same breed. blood as... Right? Isn't he injecting himself with the blood from Hugo? 
Um, Which do they even have the same blood type? Is that gonna work? But I no. <laughs> but I think he wanted um, Ugo's. Um, he wanted that little boy so he could brainwash him and have him control the rats because that's what and happens, that right? Because then Amicia gets him back in the end, which that chapter. Oh yeah. You know the whole dream that. sequence. You wake up, you find Ugo, then you have another dream sequence. Anytime you put a dream sequence in a narrative, just think and reflect. Like, take a walk. Plus, it's a dream sequence that then gets referenced. There's some... I forget. There's some part of it that gets referenced between Hugo and Amicia later on. Like, part of it actually happens. So then I was confused, though. Like, did she have this dream? Did any of it really actually happen? Like, it just didn't really make... Right. And the whole purpose of it was to illustrate how guilty she felt that she didn't take care of Ugo enough when that's all I've been doing this entire game. I thought she was just guilty about the little lies he told. No, she keeps saying like to other people too, like, I wasn't always there for him and this is for him and I have to do this. Right. The level of guilt is just not, as a player, relatable. And then, so... Amicia finds out the mom is... They thought the mom was dead this whole time. And they find out the mom is alive and being held by the Grand Inquisitor. But they're just kids. So they're not going to, like, go storm the castle. She decides not to tell Hugo and just to let Hugo keep thinking that the mom's dead. Which, I mean, she basically is to them, right? She's being tortured in this dungeon slash castle. Like, what are you going to do as a 15-year-old? But Hugo overhears this conversation... And then runs away. That's when the dream sequence happens. And eventually Hugo comes back. And he's been like trained and brainwashed by the Grand Inquisitor. And he holds this enormous amount of animosity towards his sister. Because of this like one little lie you overheard. Which just ties into... I, I just don't... I'm not believing her guilt. I'm not believing her... His animosity. Mm-hmm. It's just like was way mm-hmm. overblown. Um, Definitely. Yeah, a little strange. By the way, about the injections with mm-hmm. the syringe, mm-hmm. uh, here's a little quiz for you. <laughs> when do you when do you think the first injection with a syringe was used medically? You give your answer, Stacy, and then I'll give mine. Well, I know that there was they used to do blood transfusions, but it wasn't like I don't think there was a needle involved. I think they just let the blood run out. Like I don't think, and I know that was in. It goes 1705. Mm. If Stacy was closer, it was in 1844. Those are my period pieces. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, this uh, the people in this game are really Mm. high tech. Damn, Grand Inquisitor crushing it. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I have a question. So since we were kind of talking about the whole mom. You you go back to your like childhood home at one point to try to find some answers and try to find some alchemy stuff that you need and you find all these servants that used to live with and the rats didn't eat the bodies did i like miss something like why no ugo is controlling the rats but he doesn't know it so he's not gonna attack like the people he Uh, loves and his own room is still intact right his own old sanctuary literally everybody else because then later you find out that in the beginning when you're running away all the rats are coming out to eat the Inquisition to help you run away. So Hugo did uh, that, but he wasn't aware of him doing that. Then how Then how did the rats... Like, they they ate you a couple times before you died. Right, I don't... That, I that think it's only in, like, times of hmm. stress or... Interesting, okay. He can only okay. do it sometimes until you reach those further thresholds until the end of the game when you can okay. really control them. 
I just, I just didn't. That wasn't really ex- like was that explained, and I just missed it, or yeah, it was, it was explained. Oh, yeah. Okay, because I just remember like them seeing the servants and the bodies weren't eaten, and both. I think you're with Lucas. You're like with Lucas and Amicia, and she's like, "Oh, that's weird." And then I just never really got the explanation, so mm. I must have missed it. Oh, shucks. So I want to talk about the alchemist doctor's home and the 20,000 pig carcasses that are there <laughs> that are really excessive. Teach everyone about pig farmers. Pig farming wasn't really a thing. And this little alchemist guy isn't going to have a million pigs that are all dead. Also, why aren't the rats eating all these pigs? And never mind. Yeah, <laughs> no, don't think about it. Um, so actually, you, pigs would be just in forests, and you maybe had one pig that you would hmm. kill in the winter, and then you would eat nothing but salted and dried pork over the winter, because you couldn't afford to keep that pig alive during the winter. And you see that... Do they just eat too much? Is that... Yeah, it's just, just kill it and... Right, kill it and eat it. Eat it. Um, Capture, kill, eat. And also something that used to be completely normal, like these pigs roaming around in forests and eating acorns because that's what makes the meat more tender. You know, that you didn't really have these farms and fenced off areas because the pigs would do better just roaming around in the forest. Um, If you look at a prosciutto company today, like La Quercia, they have a special, more expensive prosciutto where the pigs are finished off on chestnuts Can you for the pop your peas on the pigs some more. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but the Wait, last... they're fed chestnuts. Yeah, damn. But they can't afford it to have that be the primary feed for their entire life, so they just finish them off on that. But back huh. in the day, that's what that's just what pigs ate all the time. But now it's like a special luxury item. Huh. But it, yeah, it makes the meat like softer. Grass and... finished beef. Right, yeah. yeah. I got you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Chestnut prosciutto. Hmm. But I did really love, after that level, the mechanic of the windmill and lighting that on fire and then just running out when the windmill blade came down and timing that. Um, I think all the... Really, that was like at the end of the whole battlefield thing, right? No, that was at the end of finding Luca oh, and then running it? away. Um, but really all the environments are just very clever and I didn't find them to be repetitive and mm-hmm. there was always something new and shocking and awe-worthy for me of uh, even when you revisit the town later on in the mm-hmm. final chapter it's again interesting but i think that town would be burned down no because you set that whole big university on fire all the townspeople Wait, at the very end of the game no in the middle of the game but oh. then if, you, if you had a town that was plagued by plague back in the day they would yeah after they evacuated those burn. that weren't they would burn it because that was the way to kill the plague well, Amicia accidentally sets the university on fire, then leaves. All the townspeople have been evacuated. Nobody's putting that fire out. It seems oh, too that, big. That also would be the reason. <laughs> Can we, there's multiple points in this game where you're running through a burning building that's literally... There's not just a couple fires in it. Like, every wall is on fire. <laughs> Which, like... Yeah, you'd pass out. You would pass out. You would be so hot, you wouldn't be able to open your eyes. Like, this is why firemen wear crazy special thick clothing. It's, I just, like, well, only one way to get there. We're going to run through this burning house. Like, no way. You would not make it. 
Uh, but yeah, that town would be burned down. Also, that town is huge. Towns in the Middle Ages would never have reached that size. That that town is freaking insane. It's like a modern day New York. <laughs> so can I just comment on the library in the university? Oh, sure, please. Um, is it way too ginormous? The amount of books just throughout the game. A book is like like a Ferrari. Like, like you have a book at home. Like you're, you're like the most popular person on the planet. Like, that's insane to own a book in this library. And even the monastery just has pages ripped out and books scattered about. Like it's just trash. Um, and <laughs> before this time, this is, I think, right before they start using paper. Before that, you would use um, vellum or parchment, which is actually dried animal skin. So instead of trees, you have to kill alive animals and you can actually um, wash them out and reuse them if you want to write something else on it. So you wouldn't just leave it scattered. Like this is a really valuable item. And for this many books to have been produced during that time and to be at a university mm -hmm. when most um, it was mostly the ecclesiastical um, institutions that had books, it was less so like universities because your places of you know, academia at that time was mostly like monasteries and church related things. So huh. way too many books. I was just looking at my notes and I, I need to go back to, so when Hugo escapes and there's a dream sequence and Mises going after him, because I just remember writing down some stuff that really, I think that whole thing, there's so many things that bother me. So first of all, Hugo runs away by himself into the woods, right? He's what, like five. seven, five? five. Like, I don't, I just... I'm not buying that. You'd that's, be like, I'm hungry a, and turn around. <laughs> ballsy move right there. Then also Amicia goes after him all by herself when she has like five friends back at that rundown. Like, why is she going after him by herself? And then when you see Hugo who has been captured and he's being held in this room and he literally escapes by crawling through a cabinet that is just a hole and like... This room is obviously made to, like, hold people because there's a special chair and the door of the room is, like, this gated door. And then, what, the cabinets in this room they design is just going to have a hole to the other side? Oh, just... I don't know. He has five. They maybe didn't think, especially because he was brought there by himself, they didn't think he'd escape, probably. Uh, I'm not buying it. This is like a... I just don't... This is a special holding cell. There's obviously been other people held here and it's just, like, the easiest room to escape of all time. I just, these are things I had written down. I had to revisit it. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then also the fact that all the alchemists and all the enemies have the same face got a little oh, repetitive. Yeah. And there could have been like at least two more textures added to that. Well, there's one scene where this carriage pulls up and you see what I think is like the lead alchemist for the Inquisition. He only shows up like once or maybe twice. I don't know if you remember that. Is that the guy who needs to watch a YouTube tutorial on how to use eyeliner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah, guy. Yeah. And then as you're crawling around as Hugo in, in, I don't know, the Inquisition place, there's all these alchemist guys running around. And when I, when I saw the first alchemist guy that you're trying to evade, I'm like, oh, that's the guy from the cutscene. That's like the main alchemist. I wonder if <laughs> I need to fight. And then as I get, I'm like, oh, no, wait. All the alchemists have the same face. Just without is, eyeliner. Just with that <laughs> eyeliner, I just think it's it's such a weird choice when you had this main alchemist in the cutscene before, like, at least his confusing. face should have been different. Yeah. yeah. And then 
Because I noticed you saying in the very beginning, like, oh, that guy came back alive. I already killed that guy. And I was like, no, no, no. That's the only face they have. There's like a guy without armor who has the same face the whole game. And then there's a couple guys with armor and they all have the same face. Just a weird... Maybe, I don't know if they just ran out of money. So it's like not the biggest budget no. game. <laughs> um, and then another weird art direction choice was when the bad people, you would find these soldiers that had been eaten by rats, but only their legs were eaten, not their top. Which <laughs> Tabby has a theory of why this is, if you want to share yeah, with Yeah, I think the rats preferred dark meat over, <laughs> over a little white more fat, A little more flavor. <laughs> But that doesn't make any sense because you find out later on that the rats use the flesh and the bones to build their nests out of it. So yeah, oh, my my that. theory doesn't hold up. No, no. Even even though the lore around the rats doesn't make any sense, I was there and I was with it, and I thought it was a really fascinating take on, you know, what is the plague? Mm-hmm. And I think there was just a National Geographic article that came out where. Scientists have now found out that it wasn't all rats spreading these diseases Mm -hmm. like it was believed. It was more like fleas and and other things. So rats weren't that bad, I I guess. People pooping in the streets and who knows. Um, (laughs) No, I like playing this game in this time period because you just don't really see that much of it. No. I like enjoyed Mm -hmm. being in that. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. Like I want more of this. And in the web series, the creators, I guess they have their studio in a old-timey French town, and there still have a lot of medieval-type mm-hmm. structures there. And they were really proud of how accurate they made this game, which I thought was really strange, considering, for example, some things that really threw me out of the game was everybody having windows. I'm like, <laughs> you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have glass. Like most, if you had a window, it would probably be made out of animal horn, which looks very different and very milky. Hmm. So it was strange for me, to me, that they spent a lot of time and research on certain things and other things they just completely ignored. And those were the things that kind of made me stop and be like, what? Did I know, they but have I wonder windows? if you're just, like, if you're walking through the town in the game and then it's just building after building and there's only a front door and then it's just a gray block, like that probably doesn't look all that great. You know, like you got to think of it from that perspective too. Oh, to kind of mask Just the to make it look silhouettes? like a town that's alive. If you just have a gray brick with the front door and then nothing else and then next to it is another great brick with a front door that probably just doesn't right, doesn't right. look like a town that's, that's kind true. of where like people you would live. have to animate the people inside the houses if something because yeah. if you don't have like any window you know well you could have made it out of animal horn i guess, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah then i'll be like on wikipedia for the next half hour looking stuff up about <laughs> like books and windows i'm an expert now i I have a question that's sort mm-hmm. of related because sure. I would I would have gone along with everything about the rats in this game if I hadn't been to Haman last summer. Haman is famous for um, the rat catcher of Haman who like gets all the rats and then they won't pay him, so then he gets all the kids. And, this is in Germany, right? Yeah. How yeah. is he How is he feeding all these kids? I don't know, but everything in that town is about rats. Like every. The cobblestones have rats on them. The bridge has a golden rat on it. You, I did not know that. <laughs> you order like a coffee, you get a little rat cookie with it. <laughs> and they have like a rat museum and put on like 
the rad player. You're every... a rad expert. <laughs> that's the only reason why. But here's my question. If you mm-hmm. live in a town that's famous for something, do you are you sick of that thing? Oh, yeah. If you're like living in Georgia, oh, like... For sure. Do you never want to see another peach in your life? Probably. <laughs> no, like easily. <laughs> I think so. A stupid rat town. One day I'm going to get out. Yeah, I'm going to make it big. I'm going to show these people. That town is like not connected to any major highways, too. Oh, so God. you're kind of just trapped there. <laughs> oh, Georgie got out. Look, he's living in Los Angeles now. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean, um, we grew up in a fairly small town and so many people still live there, you know. it's Yeah. So if you're in a little rat town with no major highways, I'm sure it's pretty you're, hard to get out. You're there all your life. So either embrace it or you You're probably out, in the play every year playing oh, like God. a town's person. You're just dealing with tourists all the time. <laughs> That's terrible. Um, um, so another... Cr- I have a lot of criticisms, but I do love this game. It's just things I notice. So at the very, the the boss battle, um, so you're Hugo and you're going against the Grand Inquisitor, and I feel like the game kind of took this turn of the supernatural when it was kind of a really grounded game. Even with Hugo controlling the rats, it's still kind of gritty and grounded. But then you go against the Grand Inquisitor, and he's like. Just using his Jedi powers to, like, rip chandeliers from the ceiling. I'm like, wait, how did this guy... I don't know. Like, it just kind of... He got this supernatural... Oh, it's like this big boss battle. I just thought it was a little funky. I I liked it. I thought it was a really grand culmination to all these rats who had been coming at you and these twirlies. And, but I do know rat-nados. that... Ratnados. Ratnados. <laughs> I do know that a lot of people online share your sentiment on that. It does... Like, I had a good time with the boss battle, and I wish... Like, to me, that was obviously the most difficult as far as, like, playing and fighting. Like, and just the gameplay element of the game. Because it took me some several tries to beat that guy. Um, and I wish there was a little bit more of that in the game, I think. Because I don't think it's... It's not really that challenging of a game, at least I thought. Kind of just breezed through it as far as any of the fighting scenes go. Um, no, and I had a, I had a good time with the final fight. I just I thought it just went a little off the rails because the Grand Inquisitor seems to have superpowers all of a sudden, and there's like rat tornadoes, and I'm like, okay, all right, <laughs> just went like a little little too grand. I don't know, but it's very creative. So yeah, right before that, I'm still I was just so upset about Roderick dying because he was probably uh, yeah. one of my favorite characters because you're kind of thrown together and you're helping each other out, and he's. I kind of was hoping Amicia and him would get together. Like, he's just like a solid guy who's got some issues. And especially right before he dies, if you find his forge and you have that really emotional moment of him moving on from that, like revisiting that past, but then saying, like, we have to move on, we have to do something else. Him dying five seconds later was just, uh, it's just so unsatisfying. I Because it's one of those things where you're not sad about the person dying, you're sad about the writing you know and i always recognize that when it's like a like this doesn't have an emotional impact on me the way it should i'm mm-hmm. just upset that it happened i feel you know? sad for the people making the game <laughs> just, <laughs> come on man like you can't keep building up characters and killing them off yeah there's definitely a lot of that um but kind of going back to the gameplay like i do wish so three quarters through the game there's all these different 
so your main weapon is this sling, right? With Amicia, and as you go through the game, you get more and more skills pertaining to that. Like, you know, this this if you put this stone in the sling, it can light a fire, and this one puts, like, enemies to sleep, and you end up getting this whole wheel of selections of, you know, different stones you can use for your sling. And, like, three-quarters through the game, you pretty much have all of them, and it ends up... There's a, just a couple scenes where you're escaping guards, and you really kind of have to utilize all the tools you have like you have to control the rats with hugo a little and you have to extinguish this fire so the rats can go to this guy and you have to hit this guy in the head with just a regular stone you just have to use all these elements really fast after each other because once you kill one guard they kind of start coming after you i just had a lot of fun with that and i wish there was a little bit more of that in mm -hmm. the game yeah i wish the game was a little bit longer not I, I don't even know longer just I wish there was just a few more a little more like challenging like com scenarios, co scenarios yeah. combat parts to where I can really utilize all these skills a little more because I had a lot of fun with that and um, also the level where you lose all your equipment and you're just sneaking yeah. around the cages that was really fun too because yeah. you're kind of just walking around and right. either like what you did at the end you can just walk around and kill everyone once you have your equipment or right. you can keep sneaking around and it gives you different like all the different tools to what do you want to achieve like in the game or isn't like what, what's the knight the guy with the like mask Nic saint nicholas saint nicholas right yeah so maybe halfway through the game not saint sorry saint <laughs> maybe like <laughs> just some something nicholas i forget um maybe 60 percent through the game you actually have to face him and like kill him yeah that was hard for me and that's yeah but then i was so the game had been fairly easy i thought and then i was like waiting for something like this and then it was like you have to fight this guy i'm like oh okay cool like i was was waiting for kind of a standoff like this and again just you know wish the game just had a little bit more of that but it's all good i still really liked it and you know if i it seems like they're gonna i'd be surprised if they didn't make a sequel i mean it's gotten Literally every website out there has given it like eight, nine, ten out of ten. Um, seems to be getting really good reviews just mm. across the board. Like I haven't seen any bad reviews, and I I tried to look up sales numbers. Like, well, is this game actually? Because you can have a well-reviewed game and it doesn't sell, but I can't find anything on that at all. Um, mm. So I mean, I hope they make a sequel because I think, I mean, you can definitely build. And all the stuff. I mean, they, they made their own game engine from scratch, right? And you have all these mechanics now with the sling. I just feel like there's so much to build on. Yeah, or at least do something something else. Right. So they set out to... What they used as a template was The Last of Us. And yeah, I haven't, which is pretty obvious when you play. Yeah, you yeah. haven't had a game like that in, in a while. So it was, they really succeeded on it. And it wasn't yeah. like a copying thing. They really did their own thing. No, it's like Last of Us and Uncharted had a baby, I feel like, you know? <laughs> it just, there was a lot of just similar, like, you can hide in the grass like Uncharted, but you're taking care of this person like Last of Us. Like right, and then just coming back to the writer for Life is Strange, what, which is all about kids and teenagers and the struggles they face, mm -hmm. and just really bringing that into child psychology, which I don't know how accurate this game is, but it feels... I felt real, like what these kids were going through and what they were, yeah. how they were processing things. And oh, and then yeah. another interesting thing that 
I don't know if just everybody's doing this now, but how you, everything is color coded. If you can climb something, it'll have like the white markings on it, but it looks like Wait, what claw do you mean? marks. You know, in, in in Uncharted, when you can climb on something, it'll be like white oh, or yellow. Oh, sure, yeah. And this game did that same thing, which I, I, I think really is interesting that. that we're... Well, that's probably a good thing because you don't right. want it to... Right, you don't want it to stand out. Right, or you can see the scratch marks on the ground if you right. need to move something. like. It, and I think maybe we're moving away from this level of difficulty that's just frustrating and, oh, you'll never figure this out, ha, 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 to giving the player more of an easy time because then they can experience the story a little bit better if they're not stuck on parts. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know. I think it's just different types of games. I mean, did you yeah. feel like in a game like Uncharted, you feel like you were stuck? No, right? Right, and because you have those markers right. along the way. so Yeah. You know, more, it's more not like subtle. these old school arcade games that oh, are like, sure, no. ha ha ha. No, I don't think anybody <laughs> wants, I mean... What is that game like Dark Souls, which is notoriously difficult? I mean, some people are into that, but I don't think... I'll, I mean, video games is now so... It's so much bigger than it used to be, and it's so broad, and you have so many more types of people playing now that I just, I just don't think you can really get away with that as a mainstream game. Um, oh, I was going to ask you if you noticed that when you first sneak into the university, mm-hmm. there's a tapestry of the lady and the unicorn it's those red tapestries they they actually weren't made until the 1500s but they're at the Cluny museum in in paris i don't think you never remember us going there but like we we saw them all oh well it's overwhelming when you go to a museum in paris there's a lot of stuff yeah we did a lot of things (laughs) i don't like remember every piece of art i saw They they really like those unicorn things. There's a different set of tapestries that's in the Met Museum in New York. And those are the backgrounds they used in Harry Potter for the Gryffindor room. Mm-hmm. And you can see them on Universal. It's like a different set. But I tried to look up if historians have found out what was the fascination with unicorn tapestries at the time. But they honestly don't. They just don't know huh. that why there are so many made. Interesting. Everyone was doing it. How did you feel about so the game... You think the game ends and credits roll, and then there's like one final mission. No, I'm not about it. I thought I was the game end. So what the game ends like after basically the last fight, and then the credits start rolling. I was like, oh, it's like, oh, okay, I guess maybe they ran out of money. Like this is it. <laughs> and then it was like a short version of the credits, and then like the final mission with the closer, and then like the rest of the credits after. That. I just thought, I don't know, threw me off. Yeah, it wasn't done well. It's not about that structure of credits, cutscene credits. You can absolutely do that. Um, but you need to have something indicated in how you're displaying the right. graphics of the credits where the player wants to keep watching. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the greatest credit sequences like of all time is, again, Uncharted The Lost Legacy, where the MIA music starts playing at the end and you're just so into the song and you're still in the game and then you see all the little cartoon characters pop up and you want to keep watching that. And then you get the cutscene of them eating pizza and then it's just normal credits. Mm -hmm. So you need to space out your credits in a way that will make the viewer keep watching it. Almost like um, like the Marvel credit sequences where it has like, you know, the cool like, oh, it's Wakanda and sand or you want to keep watching it. Yeah. So... Um, and then another thing that kind of ties into that was also one of the first things I noticed when I picked up the game is the loading screens. Like, cause you pray, you, 
So you're in the main menu and you're like, okay, start a new game. Then it's just kind of this loading screen for like a while. Like it felt like a right, solid You don't minute. know it's a loading screen. And yeah, and I was like, okay. And then I, so after 30 seconds, I'm like, okay. And I start pressing buttons. I did the I'm same like, thing. Is there, is there something I got to do? Can I look around here? Like, is there something I got to press? And just nothing was happening. And then all of a sudden it fades away and you're in the game. But there wasn't, again, just design of how to structure it. Like there needs to be some sort of indicator of like, Hey, it's still loading. Like, cause I all you no need is idea. a twisting little icon yeah. in the corner. That's all I need as a player. I know what's happening. And I know it's like, loading. I need to know what's going on here. I was yeah. very confused. <laughs> yeah. Another really strange choice. Couple strange choices, but again, so this studio hasn't made an original game in like 10 years, over or 10 yeah. years. They made a game engine from scratch. For the last 10 or so years, they've just helped other studios make their games. So considering all that, and I like, I give this game a solid 8 or 9 out of 10. I mean, it's kind of phenomenal what they did. Yeah. Um, and the only problem I had throughout the game was at one point, Luca got stuck in a wall and I had to restart the whole chapter and this was at the end of a chapter. Yeah, I didn't get any of right, that. Right, and usually you have like certain glitches... You know, I think games have now become so sophisticated where players no longer tolerate that, I think. It's well, it's funny you say that because, like, these big-budget games, especially from companies like EA, they, or even Red Dead uh, Redemption, not Redemption, what was, uh, what was the sequel to Red Dead Redemption? Just Red Dead? Oh, my God. The Rockstar game that just came out. I'm, like, drawing a blank. Um, yeah, they'll ship it out unfinished, and then you get the updates it, exactly. as you go. It's, hundreds of millions of dollars they need to hit their deadline it ships out unfinished there's all kinds of glitches and people just sort of live with it and then they kind of fix it in the months coming you know used to pay 40 dollars for a video game now it's like 60 dollars as a base game if you're getting one of these limited edition cases or whatever you're easily spending a hundred dollars on one Mm -hmm. game like ship that out unfinished is insane to me so yeah I i feel like there's more and more that you know, people are calling these companies out more, but it still happens all the time. And again, I mean, I feel like this game is pretty damn polished yeah, for absolutely. like a medium, small to medium sized studio. So, job well done. Um, I also really loved the collection of flowers. And every time you found a flower, you oh, would yeah. have a little moment with your little brother. Nice. And it was at first you're like, "What are you doing? Why are you messing with these flowers?" And then it goes to you collecting the flowers because it reminds you of your brother. And just a really simple thing like that that adds a little like trophy for a player. Like, oh, you've collected all the flowers. I don't feel like I'm doing it just to do it. It again yeah. serves a purpose. You're right because I didn't. I hate collect. I know you love. You're I like love I have to collect collecting. everything, <laughs> and I am not. I'm the not about that life. I'm the complete opposite. <laughs> But when I saw one of those flowers, I would always, oh, look, another flower. I would right. like, go for it. And then you kind of want to know what it is, even though I don't know I didn't know even think about that. About but flowers. yeah, it's because like, it's just more tied into the game. And you're not just finding like a dog tag hanging in a tree. Like, you're right. It has to do with the brother and the character. I didn't even realize that. This game's manipulating me in ways I didn't know. Um, oh, also, I think it was when the, you're all like holding hands and you have a pack to... This is right after you kill Sir Nicholas and everybody's mm-hmm. holding their hands in the middle and then they say like to the, I think they say something like to the death or. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I wrote it down here. I, they say like, but they say it all staggered. 
which felt really real to me. It mm-hmm. wasn't like they all say it in unison. It was like one sure. person saying and then another person, blah, 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 you know, it felt, it felt really real. Um, and in all the languages that I've played, the three languages this game is available, maybe because it was made in France, because usually you see Spanish and English. Mm-hmm. But in this one, they have German, French, and English. And I thought all the voices were really great. And then for the original English version, where they do all the French and English accents, I found out that the child actors actually contributed to the dialogue and would point out things oh. that would seem maybe clunky or not something a child would say. They didn't um, list any specific examples of that, but the creators did make That's a note cool. of it that the kids had kind of an influence on that, which I thought was interesting. Which I looked up um, what the voice actors look like, and I think Hugo, the little boy, was played by a little girl in every single language. Even in the English one? I looked it yeah, up in English. Yeah, no. Like, I'm almost Yeah, positive. all the kids are played by like um, all girls, girls in French, yeah. I think. Like, and Amicia was... One of the languages, Amicia was played by, like, some 25-year-old, which I thought... I'm like, okay, sure. Um, but, yeah, Hugo's played by little girl every time. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Totally, um... Really has nothing to do with how much I like the game, but because a lot of games do this... I know I think you found this frustrating too is it seemed to be completely random of when you could run and when the game just completely prohibited you from running with no real reason it seemed like it just I don't know bothers a lot of games do this it just seems unnecessary like let me run if I want to run you know the only reason that I can cite for that and as a as I'm replaying it, that is annoying, and I, you know, I'm trying to get through the game faster, but it prohibits dialogue being cut off, and because this game is so dialogue-heavy, as a player would feel really like, oh, no, I missed what they were trying to say because I ran too fast to the next checkpoint or whatever. Right, but it, it seems... there was I definitely remember parts where there wasn't dialogue, and you're just, like, maybe you're in a house, and for some reason mm-hmm. you just you can't run yeah, in the house. Yeah, it's frustrating. I, like, I don't... Like, is that bad manners to run in the house? Like, I just didn't, <laughs> just didn't seem to be any reason at all why I can't run. Because you're like, you're just looking around, you're trying to find stuff and to walk from one room to another and you're going at a snail's pace. It's just, it's not fun. Yeah. But all games do this, especially where once you're inside, you can't run any, like if you're inside a building, the game doesn't let you run anymore. I feel like this happens all the time and I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know. Fix it, people. Yep. <laughs> um, totally agree. I don't know. I, what, what else you got? Um, so I have a review by PC Gamer, mm-hmm. which all the reviews are really great. But one of the criticisms they had was that there wasn't enough variation in enemies. But to me, the mm-hmm. rad puzzles counted as enemies. And then mm-hmm. because the environments and tools you could use were so different, mm-hmm. I didn't mind that there were only three guys you yeah. could find, which I, th- yeah, you yeah, I didn't have a, I didn't have a problem with that at all. I just had a problem with, I wish there was a few more challenging parts, especially right when you get, right before the final boss fight, you're like at the front gate of the church. I, I, guess, I think, I guess it's a church where the Grand Inquisitor is. And some of the guys come out of the front door and you're um, like all your friends are above you, but you already jumped down the ledge as Amicia, right? So you're in like this little, almost like a pit and these bad guys are coming at you and you have to, again, like, you know, extinguish some of the lights and get some of the rats to kill these guys. But as you're doing that, there's these archers in the back and they're shooting at you. So you have to like use your sling Mm -hmm. as you're trying to control the rats. 
And I was like, ah, again, had a lot of fun with that because you have to use all these different elements. But then there's only like four or five guys you have to kill and you move on. I thought there was going to be like a few waves of bad guys. That would have just been like an easy way to increase the difficulty, mm. I think. You know, instead mm. of having, oh, here's five bad guys and then you move on. Like, have a couple waves of these bad guys coming. Like, just that makes like, sense. It seems, yeah. seemed like an easy way to maybe extend the game a little. Um, the only last note I had um, on the game was the lighting because the their web series goes into a lot of detail about what classic paintings inspired them and their palette mm-hmm. and the colors they used. And they wanted the lighting to always be natural without like a strange spotlight on this path because that's the path you're going sure. down. They, they always wanted like a purpose of a light source that made sense and mm-hmm. wasn't didn't feel super mm-hmm. natural. And at the same time, they wanted to keep all the light very dreamlike and glowing and soft. And mm-hmm. just another great thing they accomplished especially when you're running through the forest and the light is coming through the leaves and you feel mm-hmm. you feel like in a real environment yeah the lighting is really good and it's funny because i went on their it was like their twitter pretty sure it's their twitter account and there's this whole community already of people who are taking so they're playing the game and then they'll pause it and take like a screenshot like they're doing photography within the game, basically, yeah, and then posting I saw a lot it. Of that, yeah. There's like a lot of that, which was kind of cool. Like, oh, here's Amicia, and the lights hitting her just right. Like they're taking a photo of this video game character, but it's all within the game. Which I mean, I don't know. It's kind of cool. They have this yeah, already. A- the game's barely been out, and they have this whole community already of people doing that, and like they're highlighting people doing that, and. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah, and as a developer, you want that, right? No, you yeah, you want those fan people, for sure. <laughs> Appreciating. Um, and if you... I don't know if you looked this up. So the game... I think the game... It looks pretty good on the PS4. Like, I think some of the vegetation looks a little flat here and there. Like, But it's a good-looking game. But if you look it up on YouTube of people playing this game on the PC, on, like, a high-end PC, like, the graphics huh. are, like, absolutely phenomenal, especially for... Again, an engine that was, like, built from scratch. Um, Like, everything looks... The lighting is even better. There's even better contrast. There's, like, a greater kind of depth of field. Like, if you're standing in the forest, you can kind of see into the forest Mm. more. Um, But I would look that up because it looks... Like, it looks absolutely fantastic on these high-end PCs. And there's a guy who kind of compares the graphics from console to console. And you can, like, definitely see a difference. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I just don't know... Because, again, I think it was built for the PC first. So I, I don't know if that just contributes to it, um, that they built the engine maybe around favoring a PC. Again, I don't really know how all that works. But, I mean, it's a, it's a good-looking game regardless. I thought it was so funny when something you said, when Sir Nicholas comes back and he's holding Ugo's hand instead of Amicia, mm-hmm. and you kind of feel, like, really sad about it. And it's like a shock. Mm-hmm. And you said, oh, but he looks so fly, though. <laughs> he's got, like, the gold embroidery. Like golden red robe. <laughs> like, he finally has some real clothes. <laughs> he's, you know, he's got his shoulders back a little. And you know, I obviously whipped him around <laughs> at the Inquisition there. Like, oh, yeah, Hugo's looking like a boss. <laughs> Evil um, never looked so good. <laughs> what do you give this game out of 10 points? Oh, I think this game is, like, perfect like i know it's not but i just <laughs> definitely like a 9.5 oh damn like, okay okay stacy i know you didn't play it but i want a rating anyway 
I would say the fact that I like would watch it and sit there and and be involved. Yeah, there's a couple times you sat on the couch with me like three to four hours, so I was impressed. Yeah, I'd probably give it a nine. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I give it a solid. Yeah, I think I give it a nine. I wanted to say eight point five, but I'm gonna join the bandwagon. I'm gonna give it a nine. No, it's a great game, and we hope there's more to you know. I Mm -hmm. don't know. Hopefully, this gives the studio the opportunity to do. Either a sequel or just more good games. I mean, we'll see. And these games are also so hard to make. They're always these big... And we wait for them for so long. Like, we're still waiting for The Last of Us 2 because I think we Mm -hmm. just crave that experience of being with these characters. And there's obviously been cases, many cases, of game studios that seem to be successful on the surface because they have good games going under, like, a Telltale, right? Right. Which was like everyone... Seemed like they were doing fine. They're getting all these deals to make games for Game of Thrones and um, that zombie show. Um. I, yeah, I just don't understand. Like, for example, why EA is so evil and they try to insert <laughs> themselves in. Like, why it has the next Dragon Age not come out yet? That is one of the biggest fan communities online for any video game. Like, well, we've read all the. Books, that come out like six years ago. So such a long time. It's like ago. when we first moved to California. I think you got right, it, and we right? like everyone was waiting for yeah. it, and that's why we bought a PS4 so I could play it on that. And I don't remember that. Like people know the characters. There's a million cosplays e- of it. Makes... Yeah, EA hmm. tries to insert themselves and make a lot of decisions that are not great for the game, hmm. and because they have this huge lore and world and writing team, I just. How can you take something that successful and not like? Where's my next game? Like, why aren't you profiting? I know, like they got the rights to make the Star Wars games, and those have, like, what Battlefield One and Two. They both kind of completely suck. I just don't so. understand. <laughs> like, yeah. if you have, they just have too much money. People interested in something. Why aren't you using that as a resource to give us what we want? <laughs> Because then they're just you too see, big for their own good. Right, but then you know. see with Mass Effect something people have been waiting on for so mm-hmm. long, and they just cut quality one thing after the other, and then everybody's like, "Well, I don't want to play this. This looks stupid. Like you ruined something I love." Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know when you're just that big and you're like a, I mean, I think they're a public company and you have investors, and I think so many decisions just come down to money instead of let's make, I mean, like a piece of art basically, which it is. So, I, don't, I mean, I think you just have con- conflict yeah. of interest, you know. It's just don't underestimate your consumer, you know. Yeah, people, for sure. People notice when something Right, but then you have the other side of, you know, Telltale made, you know, not the best games, but they made good games and they made unique and original games and, like, they went under, you know. So, there's obviously a balance there. Right on. Yeah. Folks, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, again... Twitter, Instagram at Modern Life Pod. Our email address is modernlifepod at gmail.com. Thanks, Bye. guys.